The theme of social injustice is all pervading in the entire novel and Dickens uses his novel as a voice for those who are suffering from social injustices under the often unfair, cruel and inhumane Victorian beliefs. We'll be talking about the Cratchits and how they provide a realistic and heart-wrenching portrayal of Victorian life, Scrooge's treatment of those more vulnerable than himself and finally the insight into the criminality of slum life in London. In stave one, Dickens instantly introduces the harsh reality of life for the poor and the social injustices they faced. Dickens highlights to the reader that poor workers had very little right when it came to their employers. Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's clerk, applauds a brilliant speech from Fred about Christmas being a time of generosity and happiness and Scrooge berates Bob by telling him, let me hear another sound from you and you'll keep Christmas by losing your situation. We are then instantly alerted to the fact that Scrooge is a terrible boss, one who does not care for the well-being of his employees and lacks empathy for the fact that Bob will suffer terribly if he were to lose his job for a minor dispute. Unfortunately, it was terribly common during the Victorian era to come across employees who took advantage of the poor and workhouses were often where the poor would end up if they had no other means of income. Scrooge is in fact a huge advocate for these workhouses and advises the party gentleman to leave him alone as he contributes to these establishments already. There is a true ignorance in the way Scrooge fails to say that there are people who desperately need charity and is ignorant to the fact that workhouses were dismal places to be. Families were separated forced to work long, arduous hours in return for a place to stay and gruel for food. Dickens could be said to be a man ahead of his time in this sense, as he was outspoken about the lack of welfare available to the poor and used his novels to question what the establishments were actually offering to the poor. Scrooge continues on his course of ignorance and disturbingly claims that if they had rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. The surplus population was a common thought in the Victorian era amongst the rich and wealthy of society, as they believed the poor were leeches on society who were idle, lazy people. Something which Dickens was horrified by and sought to voice through his character of Scrooge to symbolise how ridiculous and cruel this thought was. Scrooge echoes this stereotypical viewpoint and appears to put the blame upon the poor for their lack of food and common needs and refuses to accept that his wealth could make a positive contribution to their lives, much to the disgruntlement of the portly gentleman. In stave two, we are transported to a scene where young Scrooge and his fiancée Belle are discussing their failing relationship and Belle actually discusses poverty and wealth with Scrooge. She claims that gain engrosses Scrooge and everything he does is for money and wealth and not for love or happiness. To which Scrooge retorts, there is nothing on which is so hard as poverty. Interestingly, we see that the younger Scrooge understood even then that the poor led a terrible life. So why does he show no empathy towards Bob Cratchit, his clerk? The answer is quite simple, really. Scrooge and many Victorians believed being poor meant you were idle and lazy, hence why he spends so much time away from his fiancée Belle and becomes consumed by his need to acquire wealth and fortune. 
Dickens' message is abundantly clear here though. Wealth does not guarantee happiness and Scrooge makes the fatal error of losing the woman he loves due to his own greed. Shortly after, we witness Scrooge grappling with these emotions that he's subdued for many years as he seizes the extinguisher cap and puts the flame of the ghost of Christmas past out to avoid any more hurt. A clear sign that Scrooge is beginning to understand just how much his need for money has damaged his relationships. In stave three, Dickens develops his central theme of social injustice through offering us a glimpse into the home life of the Cratchit family. We immediately recognise that the Cratchits are not wealthy due to their clothing, as Mrs Cratchit is described as having a twice-turned gown and Bob wears threadbare clothes. They appear to have a pretty average Christmas dinner as they eat goose instead of turkey, and yet they are unbelievably happy and excited to be having this so-called feast. We are also made aware that one of Bob's daughters, Martha, works and has been working long hours to support her family. Child labour was incredibly common during the Victorian era and something which Dickens was horrified by as he had experienced it firsthand when he worked in a factory at 12 years of age and had his education disrupted because of this. In stave three, we are also introduced to Tiny Tim, Bob's son, and he proves to be an important character for highlighting the social injustices of healthcare in the Victorian period. We learn Tiny Tim has to use a little crutch and has his limbs supported by an iron frame. Despite his physical difficulties, he is described as having a heart of gold, suggesting he is a kind-hearted and loving character and somebody who thaws Scrooge's icy cold heart as Scrooge demands to know if Tiny Tim will live, revealing that Tiny Tim has a hugely positive impact on the protagonist of the novel. Unfortunately, the ghost of yet to come reveals that Tiny Tim will die if he doesn't get the support and healthcare that he deserves. And at the time of writing this novel, there was no NHS and you would only receive healthcare if you had the means and the money to do so, which is what makes Tiny Tim's death tragic in stage four, as it could have been treatable if they would have had the money. Dickens' message is incredibly powerful here. He uses the Cratchits to reveal that hardship and injustice is all pervasive on this family. They have threadbare clothes, child labour, barely enough food, an overcrowded house, a terrible employer and a sick son. And yet they are still a pleasant and loving family who are described as being happy, grateful and pleased with one another. Ultimately highlighting that money does not mean happiness. This family and many other Victorian families did not deserve the hardship they faced and it was much easier for rich Victorians to suggest that they were idle or deserving of their hardships but Dickens manages to prove through a fictional family that they deserve more from their government and their country. The ghost of Christmas present transports Scrooge to other areas of hardship and injustice. We get to see the miners in the bowels of the earth the lighthouse upon a dismal reef of sunken rocks and the ship on the black and heaving sea. And again, Dickens' message shines through even in these dismal places that these people are still managing to maintain some happiness in their difficult and strenuous lives. By the end of stave three, we are taken to one of the most disturbing scenes in the novel, where want and ignorance appear out from under the robe of the ghost of Christmas present. They are described as being frightful and hideous, but are disturbingly children. 
Instead of acknowledging that these figures are menacing, Scrooge attempts to say that they are fine. But the words choke themselves and he is forced to acknowledge that they are man's responsibility. And if no change happens soon, mistakes will be repeated in the generations to come. Wants and ignorance both seem to be dreadful. It's dreadful to keep wanting and it's dreadful to be ignorant of those who want and need support. In stave four, Dickens has the ghost of Christmas present show Scrooge his own death and how those around him will take advantage of that. We are transported to a dingy part of London, described as an obscure part of town where the ways were foul and narrow and the people half-naked, slipshod, drunken, ugly and the whole place reeked with crime, with filth and with misery. This is an unsurprising description from Dickens, as we are aware that the slums were incredibly terrible places to live, and people were often cramped together due to the rise in population in London, fueling disease and crime as they couldn't afford anywhere else. Interestingly, Scrooge had never ventured into the slums of London, and this could be said for the wealthy Victorians too. This would have fueled their ignorance of the living conditions of the poor and what they had to face on a daily basis. Eventually, Scrooge goes into the den of old Joe and we learn that the housemaid for Scrooge has robbed from him while Scrooge lay dead in his bed. Disturbingly, she echoes the viewpoint of Scrooge and the wealthy Victorians that everyone has a right to take care of themselves without realising that this viewpoint has been detrimental as it has forced her into criminality as an, and has upheld the wealthy Victorians' viewpoint that it's every man for themselves. The rich have successfully manipulated the underbelly of society to fight it out amongst themselves whilst they maintain their level of wealth. And we are left questioning then whether these criminals have any morals at all, as they are seen to be laughing and giggling about stealing from a dead man. Yet shouldn't we be questioning the morals of the rich? After all, it is those who have forced the people in the slums to commit these shocking and immoral acts as they haven't offered them any support in housing, jobs and healthcare and have effectively been left with very little choice other than to be forced into a life of criminality. Finally, when we get to the very end of the novel, we see Scrooge has transformed and promises to solve some of the social injustices he has come across throughout the duration of the novel. He gives money to the portly gentleman to support the poor. He becomes a second father to Tiny Tim. And he gives Bob Cratchit a pay rise to support his family further. Is this Dickens's way of showing society that if we all help one another, everyone profits from it? As Scrooge is left no worse off and instead ends the novel being as merry as a schoolboy and as light as a feather. <laughs>